There was a time not so long ago when every Southern California teenager shared one thing in common, their love for a singing group that not only captured their ears, but their lifestyle and their fantasies as well. They were the Beach Boys, and as Judy Licht reports, they still are the Beach Boys, and thanks to WNEW Radio, that surf and sound filled Central Park today. It was the early 60s when the Beach Boys burst upon the scene with their songs made up of perfect fluff, songs about sun, surf, and teenage love. Everything was fun, 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 till Daddy took the T-Bird away. Buenas tardes. Rusticities and Rondeau. Welcome once again to yet another mind-alteringly outrageous episode of All You Ever Think About Is Sparks, the only and therefore best podcast about the music and career of Ron and Russell Mail, a.k.a. the Sparks Brothers. They've been everywhere, man. They've been everywhere. And that's just during the last six months. Annette is in cinemas across the planet as is the Sparks Brothers documentary. Sparks is aiming to claim every one of the top 10 slots in box office earnings. That's unlikely to happen, and it's not even remotely true. I made that up. But what is true is that Ron and Russell have not enjoyed this kind of mainstream attention in decades, maybe even ever, if you're in North America. Annette became available for streaming in most territories just a couple of days ago. And to answer your question, no, not yet. I'm waiting for my chance to set aside half a day to put it on repeat and make liberal use of the pause button, the third through seventh viewings. By the by, the official Annette film soundtrack is out. Fans of Sparks' previous narrative effort, The Seduction of Ingmar Bergman, will find much to love here, and I'm told that hearing the songs in the context of the movie adds layers of meaning that might not be gleaned from listening to the soundtrack only. It's on Amazon, USA, UK, and I'm sure lots of other territories. Watch it like seven times, like I'm going to do on Tuesday. Raw and Russell have been hyper busy making the rounds on TV, radio, podcasts, etc. But if just one newsworthy appearance were sufficient to be deemed newsworthy over the past week, it has to be this. Their first live performance since 2018 in Los Angeles at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery on August 18th, 2021. Here's a piece of that. There's going to be more where that came from. Check to see if Ron, Russ, and company are coming near your town 
next year. A simple Google search will show you where to buy tickets, but I recommend the easy to remember sparks2022.com or the official fan page at allsparks.com. And now, without further schludlidy, here's All You Ever Think About Is Sparks, episode 23. Nineteen seventy seven ushered in a wave of bad news, especially to the post Watergate American public. We were promised a reprieve, a relief, but what we got, especially during the summer of nineteen seventy seven, ran the gamut from disappointment to horror. The list is long, it's easily Googleable. You had the son of Sam Killings, the New York City blackout. Roman Polanski outed as a pedo, airline crashes and massive cyclones that killed over 20,000 people half a world away, and, lest we forget for a fleeting moment, Elvis OD'd on the toilet, and the National Enquirer was all too happy to show you the gory details in full color. It was perhaps the first time in American culture when we all looked to the past for guidance and secure. That's why Happy Days topped the Nielsen's for so many TV seasons, why Chicago scored a major hit with Harry Truman, and why the Beach Boys found the time was ripe to reinvent themselves as a nostalgia act. The Beach Boys remained a consistently active enterprise all throughout the 70s, but like so many of their contemporaries, they let drugs, the same, drugs that they once claimed had unlocked their creative sensibilities, begin to cripple them mentally, physically, and artistically. Brian Wilson, in particular, was lucky to avoid an early demise because of drugs. Thanks to urgent intervention from Brian's wife, Marilyn, band manager Stephen Love, Wilson got cleaned up and he sought to rejuvenate the Beach Boys. But he found his mojo not by looking forward, but back. In 1976, he took a gamble on believing the public considered 10 years ago a long enough time to call those the good old days. For the first time since 1964, Brian led the Beach Boys through an expansive North American tour that culminated with a new album comprised of only covers. If the Beach Boys were passe just a year before, now they were cultural comfort food, approved by not just the older boomer set, but their younger siblings now, too. Is that how Ron and Russell got the surf and safari bug in 1977? Were they inspired by the renewed interest in those carefree sounds of California circa 1964? Were they being purely ironic and mocking this backward-looking moment in pop culture? Or maybe they genuinely liked the style but they uh, felt emboldened by the conviction that they could beat a past-his-prime Brian Wilson at his own game. Well, spoiler, I don't have an answer for you folks, and neither have any of the Sparks Cognizenti that I spoke with during the production of this episode. For the record, however, the limited edition red vinyl record, introducing Sparks sounds to these ears a fair bit better than Beach Boys' 15 golden ones, The Beach Boys Love You, or even that Brian Wilson solo LP engineered by celebrated Sparks alumnus Earl Mankey. 
So that's my hot take. Sparks miming Beach Boys in 1977 is better Beach Boys than the Beach Boys were Beach Boys in 1977. Now, let's pick up where we left off. Sparks fans, I'm afraid I led you astray last time when I said I'd cover the entire first half of all the introducing Sparks era tracks in that episode. I didn't do my due diligence, and I did not take into account uh, not only a handful of outtakes that I hadn't thought about or remembered, uh, nor did I stop to consider the apocryphal so-called Arista demos of 1978. Now, there is a lot of haziness surrounding the output of Sparks over 1977 to 1978, but intrepid Sparksologists have uncovered many orphaned tracks from that era. I'm going to try to get to all those tracks, demos mostly, uh, but I'm afraid I won't be able to offer a lot of context about them. But for now, let's dip back into the shimmering blue waters of introducing Sparks Part Song 7 on the original LP of Introducing Sparks is Girls on the Brain. This must have been a fun piss take for Ron and Russ, as one of their guiding stars in terms of music was to avoid the blues at all costs. And while it's ersatz blues at best and not the blues at all at worst, or is that best? I don't know. It's still a self-consciously odd fit for Sparks. From the opening bars of the song, it sounds as if Ron and Russell just got done listening to Hotel California, and they said to themselves, oh, this is what the people want, huh? Fine, we can play that game. The craziest part? The Eagle song that Girls on the Brain sounds most like to these ears is Heartache Tonight, and that's a song that wouldn't be recorded by the Eagles for another two years. So, you're welcome, Glenn Fry and company. For a contemporaneous comparison, imagine something like uh, Life in the Fast Lane, you know, but without all the cocaine. Girls on the Brain chugs along with an intentionally plastic swagger, but that's not to say it doesn't actually sound good or groove. The lead guitar is likely being played by Tom Rotella, one of the few players on the album who expressed genuine enthusiasm about his experience playing and recording Introducing Sparks. You can hear that sincerity in his playing here, and it helps save the song by delivering that groove, while Russell, meanwhile, acts as Ron's avatar of ironic detachment. I mean, come on, what eagle song is going to have Berry Berry or Menopause on its lyric sheet? Tom, if that's who it is, he plays loose and muscular, gliding up on the fretboard to hit those high notes and making ample use of dominant seven chords. The song seems to be in D-sharp major, which may have been Ron gently needling the session players after some had already complained about having to play in uncommon keys. The drum pattern is suitably simple and direct, but with tastefully placed fills at the top of the song's verses, the male background singers keep the sunny Beach Boys-inspired motif that serves as the main unifying aesthetic found all throughout, introducing Sparks. The lyrics are suitably quirky and enjoyable, although Ron has mined the emotional territory of the sexually frustrated male adolescent with better returns in the past. Here are those lyrics, by the way, and for those who already know them, hit the 30 seconds fast-forward button in your podcast app. I searched the whole encyclopedia from A to Z and had no luck, no luck. 
It listed beriberi, menopause, and even halitosis. No luck, no luck. And then I asked my brother, who is kind of thick, tell me what I got. I'm feeling really sick. Brother, keep away from me. You got girls on the brain. It's really rough when you got, you got girls on the brain. Every time I go to church, I just can't think about the Lord at all. Girls on the brain, at all. Girls on the brain, at all. Every time I go to work, it seems I'm always walking into walls. Them old walls. Oh, no. It's getting worse and worse, and then you pat me on the back. In 50 years, you may outgrow it just like that. But until then, I got, I got girls on the brain. Girls on the brain. Girls on the brain. Boy. I'm in pain. They drive me insane. It's really rough when you got, you got girls on the brain. God knows it's rough. I'll give this $100 bill to anybody who can help at all. Don't everybody shout at once. It seems there's nothing can be done at all. It's getting worse and worse, but lately I can live with it. I'm starting to enjoy it just a little bit. Like it or not, I got, I got girls on the brain. Like it or not, I got, I got girls on the brain. Here's that song. A girl's on the brain.
the penultimate song on the original LP release of Introducing Sparks is The Joyous Over the Summer. Released as the second and final single from the album, Over the Summer arguably does the best job in conveying what Ron and Russell were on about for the larger project. Like a big surprise, the album's opener, Over the Summer flopped completely as a single in every market where it was released. But it's a seriously good tune. Over the Summer comes out of the speakers sounding like a lost doo-wop hit from 1959 with close harmonies and percussive finger snaps. But this is not the Philly sound of that doo-wop era. It's doo-wop filtered through the Beach Boys' stylings of a few years later. After a measure or two of the intro, Ron's piano chords come bouncing into the four. They descend clear as a bell and a bright, sunny C major key, sounding like Captain and Tennille after huffing nitrous oxide. Hits on a tambourine on the offbeats help keep things buoyant but slightly skewed. Later, ooh-ee-oohs and bump-bump-bumps back up Russell's wide-eyed croon and joyous handclaps punctuate the beat. And that's the word, buoyant, maybe even giddy. Everything is feeling all right, even before Russell's quavering tenor beseeches you to scooch closer and listen. Both lyrically and musically, Over the Summer sounds like it belongs on some alternate dimensions soundtrack to Greece. The lyrics are in first person, but addressed to someone in the second person. You are in the role of that most celebrated of teenage cliches, the once homely girl that has bloomed into a beauty between school sessions. The narrator is yet again Ron's preternaturally horny young man voice, but instead of focusing on the angst in the pants, he just wants to sing the praises of his suddenly desirable schoolmate. Sure, the young woman in the song has to suffer being objectified by our adolescent horn dog, and unspoken but felt is the prospect of more of that to come in her near future. But for this moment, it's all about the summer of the mind and some other parts. And that is what makes Over the Summer just so much, here it is again, fun. Here are the lyrics. You've got to trust in summer. Miracles can happen if you do. Cause all that heat speeds change in everything, maybe even you. If you're a summertime believer, if you're a summertime believer, July, you were the plainest of Janes. Through August, you got rearranged. September, you're not just a brain. Over the summer, over the summer, over the summer, I tried to find myself this summertime. I found you instead. And please forgive me, Karen, but in June, you were kind of dead. But then we had that three-day hot spell. You really turned into a bombshell. July, you were the plainest of Janes. Through August, you got rearranged. September, you're not just a brain. Over the summer, over the summer, over the summer. Over the summer, you're under the summer sun. Lying there, lying there, lying there, getting hot. You know the records that I got in June don't sound good no more. And all the clothes I bought in June are now rotting in my drawers. But you're a different girl, much better. A little redder, but much better. Was it just the heat of the sun? Was it that you had lots of fun? I wish that the summer weren't done. Over the summer, over the summer, over the summer, lying there and getting hot. Here's Over the Summer. Ooh, 
Closing outside, two of introducing Sparks is Those Mysteries, a wistful piano ballad that really ought to have been part of a coming-of-age musical sometime in the 1970s. 
Those Mysteries is the kind of widescreen cinematic album closer that Sparks used to bless us with back in the island years. In many ways, it picks up where Miss the Start, Miss the End left off. What's different about this album closer is just how open and vulnerable everything sounds here. This is thanks in major part to Ron's guileless lyrics. Here he writes from the point of view of a child or maybe an adolescent gazing up at the stars and asking the questions we all ask at some point. This young person has found himself at that critical juncture early in life where you realize the world is a vast, cold, and chaotic place, and the adults who you used to think had all the answers are just as lost as you. And it's not just the big things he's seeking some answers to, but the everyday things too. Now, I mentioned that this song sounded open and vulnerable, but not simple. Let's talk about the composition of the song for a sec. I can't figure it out. Uh, you know, granted, you know, I'm not the most advanced music student, uh, but those mysteries, in its own mysterious way, doesn't reveal really what key it's in, although it keeps wanting to resolve to E major. But what a paraphrastic path it takes to get back to that tonic E. And if you don't know what paraphrastic means, good. It means I'm not the only one scratching my head about this. Here's a sample for you uh, from the song's top. This is, this is what's going on. We're starting on uh, E major here. Why is there time? And then we go up to a D minor, D flat minor. Why is there space? Back to E. Why are there dogs and cats? That's G sharp and trees. That's A and a minor, and back to G sharp. Why am I here? That's D sharp major, and not over there. That is there, yep, that is C, D minor. Oh, why, G. And let's resolve to C on this one. Oh, why, seems like the tonic is C right there, right? Then we go, why are there nuns? F and G and G and C and G, C and F, E flat, F, C. Okay, so take it from me, this goes all over the place. When you get to the chorus, it starts to make a little bit of sense. It wants to go back to E. Those mysteries, E7. Tomorrow I'll find out all I should know. Those mysteries, A. A minor, don't even know. See what I don't even know. Those, oh, what's going on there? B to E. Mysteries. Oh, I think that's not right. Just E. Those mysteries, cause they're hanging around and around I can't figure it out if you can please let me know if it's some sort of modal thing anyway I'm not going to recite all the lyrics for you this time you can listen to them they're pretty clear here we go this is those mysteries why is there time why is there space why are there dogs and cats and trees in the human race? And why am I here and not over there? Oh, why? Oh, why? Oh, why? Oh, why? Oh, why? Oh, why? 
And why are there nuns? And why do they pray? And where do we go when we pass away? And why, when I ask my dad, does he say, Go ask your mom or just go away? And okay, I'll go away. But they won't go away. My mother kissed my father occasionally And why am I sore whenever I'm hit? Oh why, oh why And why is there France and why is there Spain And why am I here and why is there rain And why would I ask my dad does he say Go ask your mom or just go away And okay, I'll go away But they won't go away
For years, Ron and Russell disowned Introducing Sparks, but seriously, how bad can an album be if it's got a song like Those Mysteries on it? <sighs> okay, I misspoke in an earlier episode when I said that Introducing Sparks was out of print until 2009. Sources actually point to 2007 being the first chance for Sparks fans to buy officially licensed CDs. Bootlegs apparently had been available for at least a few years at that time. The bad news about the new discs is that the music wasn't based on the original master tapes, but the actual vinyl pressing, so the sound quality wasn't what it could have been. The good news is that some long-buried outtakes from the introducing sessions finally got to see the light of day, but only on the 2009 Japanese release. Luckily, then as now, the internet existed, exists, so any enterprising Sparks fan can seek out and find these lost gems. The Japanese CD of Introducing Sparks appended these songs, and they're all in demo form. Breathe, Factor Fiction, and a demo of those mysteries. But, as another Ron once said, rest in peace, that's not all. I'm going to let the words of the wonderful Madeline Boccaro do the explaining here. As she writes on her blog at madelinesparks.blogspot.com, In 2014, a fan discovered a quadraphonic master tape of Introducing Sparks with an early mix of eight songs. The tape also included the outtakes Kidnap Me and Keep Me all had countdown intros and cold stops instead of fadeouts. Okay, so let's add Kidnap and Keep Me to the list. Lastly, a long-lost tape of demo recordings that reportedly were sent to Arista Records in 1978 has also emerged in the intervening years, okay? So this would be after Introducing came out, but long before um, the album that would come afterward, Number One in Heaven. Known song titles from that tape include... Breathe, there it is again, but uh, I saw it um, spelled out um, as an acronym, B-R-E-A-T and H. I don't know if that makes any difference. Uh, two is Trying Day. Then we have The Biggest Party in the World, uh, followed by After Dark. Number five is I Wish I Could Dance Like Black People Do. Uh, <laughs> number six is Get Laid. Getting right to the point. Now, I have not been able to unearth much information about these recordings, and obviously none of them saw the light of day in any form in any future official release. Now, the audio quality of what I have here leaves a lot to be desired, but listening to these embryonic songs uh, does offer a fascinating peek into where Ron and Russell might have gone had they not changed course so radically later that year, 1978. Uh, but rather than play them all now, uh, you can listen to those tunes, if you care to, at the end of this podcast episode. So, let's check out those other missing tracks from the uh, introducing sessions, although I've chosen to skip over the demo version of um, those mysteries. Here's Kidnap. Thanks to Rude Swart and his Sparks Albums project, I have the following description of the song Kidnapped, in Russell's own words. Sung by the young victim of a botched kidnapping where the wrong boy is grabbed, the kidnappers appeal to the President of the United States to have all of America contribute a little something to fulfill the ransom demands. Once released, and now seeing how this scheme can be, 
uh, the young boy annually teams up with the kidnappers pulling off the same scam and this time splitting the profits. Uh, and those lyrics are kidnap, kidnap somebody's son, kidnap, kidnap, counting on everyone on a smoggy day, just like today. But several years ago, I had walked until I realized there wasn't nowhere to go when this Pontiac pulled up to my side. Sonny boy, want a ride? They didn't wait for my reply. Grab him, grab him, that's the kid. Bring him back to see Big Sid. And I knew right then this wasn't a game. It was, it was in very bad taste. Kidnap, kidnap somebody's son, kidnap, kidnap going along for the ride. Well, they took me to a hideout in an old dry cleaning plant and they sat me down and gagged me with a pair of underpants. I was scared, I must admit, but the worst was yet to come when Big Sid yelled out, you got the wrong man's son. What do we do with them? What do we do? And Big Sid told them what to do. Send that ransom note post haste to the President of the United States. Kidnap, kidnap somebody's son. Kidnap, kidnap, counting on everyone. And every city headline news, what, what, what will the President do? And I realized my fate was in the hands of every American. Kidnap, kidnap somebody's son. Kidnap, kidnap, counting on everyone. Well, the President reported to the nation that night how everyone should give a little to give him back alive, to get him back alive. I was everybody's kid in a funny sort of way. It was democracy in action. I saw that day. Send us a dollar. Send us a dime. Deduct it all come April time. And the ransom poured in dollars and dimes. The trade was made. And I felt fine. Kidnap, kidnap, somebody's son. Kidnap, kidnap. Maybe we're finally done. If you think that's all there is, buddy, you'd be wrong. They never caught Big Sid or any of his throng, and I'm no fool. Once a year, I'd give Big Sid a call, and they kidnap me again, only now we split the hall. When someone wants to know what I'll do with my life, I just tell them. I just will tell them. I tell them, I'll get by, I'll get by, I'll get by. Kidnap, kidnap, somebody's son. Kidnap is a fun musical throwback to the Tin Pan Alley style that Sparks dabbled on in earlier albums, and the style makes for quite a juxtaposition against the made-for-TV intensity of the story behind the lyrics, although the lyrics, of course, are very funny, too. Kidnap, kidnap, somebody's son. Kidnap, kidnap, counting on everyone. On a smoggy day just like today but several years ago I'd walked until I realized there wasn't nowhere to go When this Pontiac throwing all pulled up to my side Sunny boy, want a ride? They didn't wait for my reply Grab him, grab him, that's the kid Bring him back to see Big Sid And I knew right then this wasn't a game If it was, it was in very bad taste Kidnap, kidnap somebody's son Kidnap, kidnap, going along for the ride Well, they took me to a hideout in an old dry cleaning plant And they sat me down and gagged me with a pair of underpants I was scared, I must admit, but the worst was yet to come When Big Sid yelled out, you got the wrong man's son What do we do with him, what do we do? And Big Sid told them what to do Send that ransom note post haste to the president of the United States Kidnap, kidnap somebody's son Kidnap, kidnap, counting on everyone In every city headline news What, what, what will the president do? And I realized my fate was in 
the hands of every American. Kidnap, kidnap somebody's son. Kidnap, kidnap, counting on everyone. Kidnap, kidnap somebody's son. Kidnap, kidnap, counting on everyone. Well, the president reported to the nation that night how everyone should give a little to get him back alive. I was everybody's kid in a funny sort of way. It was democracy in action I saw that day. Send us a dollar, send us a dime. Deduct it all come April time. And the ransom poured in dollars and dimes. The trade was made, and I felt fine. Kidnap, kidnap somebody's son. Kidnap, kidnap, maybe we're finally done. You think that's all there is, buddy? You'd be wrong. They never caught Big Sid or any of his throng. And I'm no fool. Once a year, I give Big Sid a call, and they kidnap me again. Only now we split the hall. And when someone wants to know what I'll do with my life, I'll just tell I'll them. Just Next is Keep Me. Um, no big tricks on Keep Me. It's about as honest a doo-wop style ballad as you're likely to get from Sparks. It's very sweet. Um, the song goes like this. Don't throw me out of that door. I'll just keep hounding your life. I hate to beg. I hate to plead. But baby, I'm begging for more. Keep me. Keep me. Please keep me, girl. Keep me by your side at least one more night. Oh, keep me. Oh, keep me. When I'm not there by your side, you're going to have lots of doubts. Baby-sized doubts, medium doubts, huge and incredible doubts. Keep me, keep me, please keep me, girl. Keep me by your side at least for tonight. Oh, keep me, oh, keep me. Let me collect all my things. Give me a minute or two. One final look, one final look. Hey there, I'm talking to you. Keep me, keep me, please keep me, girl. Keep me by your side at least one more night. Oh, keep me, keep me. And it goes on like that, ending with please keep me, girl. It's a lovely song. Here it is. Keep me. Don't throw me out of that door. I'll just keep pounding your life. I hate to beg. And I hate to plead, but baby, I'm begging for more. Oh, keep me, keep me, please keep me, girl. Keep me by your side at least one more night. Oh, keep me, oh, keep me. When I'm not there by your side, you're gonna have lots of doubts. Baby-sized doubts, medium doubts, huge and incredible doubts. So keep me, keep me, please keep me, girl. Keep me by your side at least for tonight. Oh, keep me, oh, keep me. 
got at least one more night Oh, keep me, oh, keep me Let me collect all my things Give me a minute or two One final look, one final look Hey there, I'm talking to you Keep me, keep me Please keep me, girl Keep me by your side at least one more night Oh, keep me, oh, keep me Keep me, keep me Please keep me, girl Keep me, keep me Please keep me, girl. Keep me, keep me. Please keep me, girl. Keep me, keep me. Please keep me, girl. Keep me by your side at least one more night. Keep me by your side at least for tonight. Keep me by your side at least one more night. Oh, keep. Okay, so the other ones that we have that seem to have been recorded around the same time as the other introducing tracks, we've got Breathe. The song Breathe, as I mentioned, appeared on the Japanese CD release of Introducing Sparks in 2009, also showed up later as one of the so-called Arista demos. Uh, Since Breathe did receive an official release, I'm going to go ahead and uh, play it here. Haven't taken the time to decipher the lyrics, but pretty easy to understand. And so let's go ahead and listen to that song, Breathe. All across this wonderful land Breathe, 
So the last song we're going to examine today is Factor Fiction, also found on that 2009 Japanese CD of introducing Factor Fiction shows Russell repeatedly asking the object of his affections whether their love is, well, a fact or a fiction. It's pretty simple, piano-driven, mid-tempo number. In my head canon, it inspired the 1997-2002 anthology series hosted by Commander Jonathan Riker Frakes called Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction. Look it up. Don't take that away from me if you don't believe me. Here's fact or fiction.
Columbia released Introducing Sparks on September 27, 1977. They must have had high expectations, at least initially. The label issued 7,000 promotional copies of the record, distinguishable by the red-colored vinyl they used to differentiate these limited edition copies from the standard black vinyl version. Ironically, once sales were shown to be so paltry, it was the red edition that became more commonplace to find in record stores. Columbia also felt that introducing was worthy of the then-new surround sound mix, which was at that time also referred to as quadraphonic, since a slightly different mix would come out of each of four speakers, giving the listener a more immersive experience. Some, but not all, of the songs on introducing were recorded to be compatible with surround sound. The resulting quadraphonic master tapes, however, remained tucked away for decades, stashed in some lost drawer and unheard by virtually everyone. Until, that is, in 2014, when a fan had somehow stumbled upon a copy of the recordings that must have been unearthed sometime before by someone. For the first time ever, Sparks chose not to promote their album with a tour. This also meant, of course, not having to hassle with auditioning and recruiting a touring band, not to mention weeks of tedious rehearsal. Instead, they stuck to promotional appearances on TV, in stores, and at radio stations, mostly in Europe. According to Rude Swart, Ron and Russell left for Europe at the end of September for a short promotional tour that included several television appearances. London, September 25, Stockholm, September September 27, Amsterdam, September 30, London, October 2, Cologne, October 5, Paris, October 8. In England, they were part of the program Multicolored Swap Shop, broadcast on October 29. And in Germany, they appeared on Plattenkutsch. Sure, I'm saying that wrong. Where the presenter subtly rounded off his announcement with the gesture of a Hitler mustache with his finger next to a stoically watching Russell. In Sweden, where the single wasn't even released, the single being a big surprise, they appeared on the show No Has Leaf, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that correctly, on September 30th, and, um, and in France, they did that as well on a separate television show. On both occasions, Ron smashed his piano stool, but during the latter show in France, he did it in the aisle in the midst of the audience. Remarkably enough, the song was performed live with a large house orchestra, and the arrangements are distinctively different from the studio version. Still, in France, the single was never released either. Reviews at the time of introducing were mixed, although reading some of the more favorable ones, contemporaneous ones, it's hard to come away with the sense that introducing Sparks was soon destined to become the, the band's red-headed stepchild. Rolling Stone was less than impressed, remarking, quote, old fans have disappeared and new ones are few and far between. The famously Sparks-skeptical Robert Criscow, however, wrote his most favorable review of a Sparks album up to that point, grading introducing a B. But it was still measured praise, even though he thought that over the summer, quote, belongs in any history of surf music, and that the song was, quote, tuneful, funny, and even open, he nonetheless decried what he called, quote, spoiled teenager cynicism throughout the album that he found, quote, kind of hateful, end quote. 
A reviewer in a Florida newspaper celebrated, quote, some good, strong, exceptional spark stuff, although conceding that, quote, none of it really measures up to their best efforts. The December issue of Trouser Press, on the other end of the spectrum, was effusive in its unadulterated praise, gushing, Ron and Russell can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned, and introducing is further proof. But as far as Columbia Records was concerned, numbers don't lie. When Ron and Russell returned from their promotional tour throughout Europe, they discovered that Columbia had canceled their deal with Sparks, leaving them with no label, no band, and no prospects. And it got even worse when 1977 became 1978, and what would prove to be a big inflection point in the band's history, longtime manager John Hewlett came to visit the brothers in L.A. This wasn't a cheerleading session. It was a breakup. Ron and Russ didn't see it coming. I was in Munich in 1978, recalled Hewlett, to Sassad magazine in 1990. We were in a hotel and Ronnie broke down and cried and said, I didn't care anymore, that I didn't care for his music, which of course I did. Then later in 2009, Hewlett doubled down on his opinion of introducing Sparks, but reiterated his admiration for Sparks and for Ron in particular, saying, introducing doesn't sound like something I would buy. I'm sorry, I upset him. I'd give him a big hug right now but I could only be honest at the time. If only Hewlett had stuck around in Munich a while longer, he would have seen the gestation of the bold new reinvention Ron and Russell would have in store next. But it's proper to end our story about introducing Sparks on a positive note. Although the album was so maligned as to be consciously forgotten for decades, something unexpected happened in the middle of Sparks's 21 by 21 concert series in Islington, UK. The night that they played the entirety of introducing, for the first time ever, mind you, the performance was met with rapturous applause. Madeleine Bocaro said this about that particular night in 2008. Introducing Sparks finally came out of the studio and proved to be really fun live. Goofing off was so enjoyable that Russell announced that it will be done again for the final show's encore. Today, several more years later than even that, introducing Sparks has earned newfound respect among fans both brand new and seasoned. It's not hard to see why. When an act has an established reputation for breaking new ground every time, it's easy to find disappointed fans who are expecting more of that spirit of daring do and who get disillusioned when their group decides to go in a different way. In retrospect, introducing is closer now to becoming what it was initially meant to be. Fun. Sunny, breezy, fun. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you want to write me, you can reach me at podcastsparks at gmail.com or find my All You Ever Think About Is Sparks page on Facebook. This podcast is written, recorded, and edited by me, Christian Huey, although most of my sources come from Dave Thompson's number one songs in heaven, Daryl Easley's uh, Talent is an Asset, Sparks-tastic 21 Nights in London by Tosh Berman, the Sparks album project by Rootswort, and blogs by Madeline Bocaro and Monty Mallon. Until we meet again, dance, goddammit. 
Survive with the 